welcome to a special edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. Glorious Goodwood, well, we hope it will be glorious, is uh, not too far away now. With the rain coming down, it's likely to be a pretty soft-going start to uh, the, the wonderful venue on the Sussex Downs. And let's hope the rain stays away so we can all enjoy it. We've got plenty of good action. We're going to get our teeth into Tom and Ross joins me as always, but it would be remiss of us not to discuss and just catch up with all the fallout after the King George VI and Queen Elizabeth Kipco stakes. We called it the race of the season. I don't think it disappointed whatsoever in terms of how it all transpired. One man on this podcast was delighted to see that the battle between Hookham and Westover went the way of Hookham. What a brilliant finish that was. It looks Always sort of looked like he was going to edge him, didn't it? Didn't he? Um, over Westover, Jim Crowley wasn't sure if he had got that, but hats off to the team, Owen Burrows. A wonderful training performance. And Tom, hats off to you as well. You thought it, you were very confident in him, and he completely delivered with a perfect ride. I thought he got as well. Yeah, brilliant ride. You know, there was only actually two horses I thought were traveling well into the race coming around the final bend. Obviously, by that point, August Rodan, disappointing, was right out the back of the screen and he didn't run his race whatsoever. It was King of Steel up the inside, fully tanking under Kevin Stott. It was Huckham just behind the leaders on the outside with Jim Crowley. It was just a case of who's going to get the splits, who's going to finish their race better. And full credit to Westover, because I haven't just mentioned him there. He ground it out all the way to the line. He was just second best behind Huckham, who's now produced three back-to-back-to-back consecutive career best performances as an older horse. And he earned an RPR of 128, which is the joint second highest in the King George in the last 10 years. Only Poet's Word back in 2018 with an RPR of 129, one pound better than uh, Hookham achieved, tops Hookham's performance. So look, take nothing away from the race. I think it really delivered despite the fact the favourite didn't show up. And I was really happy that Jim Crowley got Hookham's head in front. Yeah, 13 to 2 winner for you, which uh, joined your, your nap section, Tiffany, which won at 5, 5 to 4 as well on Saturday. So well done to you. A great day. Um, Ross, your thoughts on the race? Because obviously you were keen on King of Steel. He put up a very good performance. I don't think Kevin Stock gave him a hard time at the latter stage of the race. And they talk, they're talking about now maybe bringing him back down and trip a little bit. He's still got so much potential and so much to, to show us, especially next year as a four-year-old, the connections are saying. But August Rodin dropped out tamely and was as disappointing as Emily Upjohn, I thought was. She just didn't show up at all either. So a shame from that respect, but we do have lots to look forward going forward. And Hockham now rightly deserves big and best status of this group, doesn't he? Which he which he's always been showing that he's capable of. Yeah, I mean I mean maybe I'm in the minority, but as soon as I knew that August Rodin was was okay, it didn't matter to me one one jot it's it's horse racing that it's not machine racing he didn't turn up but even if he had on all known form he's finishing third he, he, you know given the distance that that Huckham and Westover put between King of Steel um and so we've got to be really careful that we spoke about what a deep race it was and it was no one had a really strong strong opinion about it were the three odds better than the older horses no they weren't and yet August Rodin doesn't deliver and all of a sudden the race is shadowed. It, it doesn't make sense to me. And I think we'll be really careful, um, particularly in, in the mainstream media, that they don't bleat about what didn't happen and talk about what did happen, which was a really good horse race, two really brave horses. Um, you know, Westover got posted plenty wide enough early. I mean, he's run a huge race. 
King of Steel tanked through the race, as TC said. Kevin Stock was very sympathetic, didn't give him a hard time in the closing stages. And I, and I saw an interview where he said he just felt like he wasn't sat on much in the in the last furlong. So they're going to come back to 10 furlongs. I think that's exciting with him as a three-year-old. For all that, if he comes back as a four-year-old, I would fancy him for this race next year. Uh, it was just a, a, a brilliant race. Rob Hornby, who you know has had a few stones thrown in for rides he's given, gave a brilliant ride on the runner-up proving that it's not only winning rides that can be brilliant rides. It was it was just a great, great race, and I, I really enjoyed it. And as you know, normally there needs to be a fence involved for me to, to really enjoy it. And I didn't. I, you know, I, I've enjoyed it, and I've watched it back a few times and enjoyed it each time. Yeah, um, I, I echo all of that. Uh, one thing that I wanted to know, and maybe TC, you can let me know your thoughts, is what what do you think Desert Crown would have done if he was involved in that race? And what what do you feel if there was a showdown between himself and Hookham next time out? Who comes out on top? Yeah, it'd be really enticing, wouldn't it? That matchup between the two. We saw them in the Brigadier Gerard finish first and second in a close finish. In that on that day, I didn't think Desert Crown had any excuses. I thought he was given the perfect ride. Hookham ended up getting the ideal trip despite not being in the best position with two films to go, and yet he still managed to beat Desert Crown. I think Desert Crown would have been right there at his best. If he ran in the King George, obviously he didn't. Huckham's now posted three career best performances in a row. I don't know whether Desert Crown, after all these blips throughout his career since he's won the Derby, will be able to take that big step forward again. He's going to be a bit tentative selection for me going forward. I want to see him do it once more. Um, I would probably end up signing with Huckham, but as you do as well, uh, I have loyalty towards Desert Crown. Yeah, look, he's he, he's a horse that you just really hope gets his opportunity to come back and show show everyone what he's made of. Maybe that will be in the Jumbo International. Let's hope all things go well for him. Doesn't look likely that Desert Crown will be going there. He, uh, excuse me, Hookham will be going there. Hookham, it seems like from what I've read, is going to go straight to the Prelude de Triomphe without a prep run. Um, potentially Westover will be there as long as it's not very heavy ground. Um, King of Steel, unlikely considering the trip that they're suggesting they'll keep him to 10 furlongs. I really hope Desert Crown might potentially get there eventually as well. Um, we shall see, but a lot more to look forward to. But that's definitely was, I would say, the highlight of our of our summer so far. So far, but we do have Goodwood, um, and we love Goodwood because it's got that little bit more relaxed nature than the likes of Royal Ascot. But the racing is exceptional. Um, we do got a lot of horses that we haven't seen since Royal Ascot turning up, um, and that's where we'll begin. We'll begin with the Goodwood Cup, which happens, which kicks off the meeting in style on Tuesday, and we've got a very good repeat of essentially of of what we saw Ascot in the Gold Cup um, with the winner Corrigan. Courage Manami um, back to def- to defend himself against the likes of Coltrane, who was second. Um, you've got the fourth place horse and the seventh place horse all from the Ascot Gold Cup lining up again. You've got Giovaletto for Marco Botti, who's been weighted with uh, since the beginning of the season. Um, it's got the it's it's got the appeal to think that Courage Manami will keep up on this uh, very impressive, very quickly in terms of how he's been improving um, trajectory, uh, but. TC, I saw quite an interesting interview with Oshin Murphy saying he isn't going to let Frankie track him through. He's, uh, I've got a feeling that Oshin's got a bit, he's got a bit between his teeth, hasn't he, for this week. He's going to make sure that he really shows himself off as, you know, the champion that we know he is. But he hasn't really had it really his own way this season. So he's going to try and want to uh, topple Corrigan and me on Coltrane. What for you do you think wins this race? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting heat. People are going to pitch this um, as a match between the two. Coltrane and Courage Monami coming off the back of the Ascot Gold Cup, obviously first and second and clear first and second in that race. 
You know, when you look back at the last 20 renewals of the Goodwood Cup, 13 of them have gone towards the favourite, including six of the last seven. So there's going to be a lot of hype towards these top two in the market. But with the ground conditions right now, I think it's already on the soft side of good. And the forecast for Tuesday um, and the rest of Monday as well, we're filming this on Monday morning, doesn't look nice at all. So it's only going to get more and more testing. Now, Coltrane has been very in and out when the, the ground has uh, had some give underfoot. You know, he's posted some good performances on good to soft. But he's also posted some pretty poor performances. Um, so I don't know whether he's a horse to trust uh, in these kind of conditions. And when it comes to Courage Monami, he's only run four times in his career. Twice have been on good to firm ground. Twice have been on uh, all weather. So we don't know at all with Courage Monami. Now, he's by Frankel, which would suggest the ground could be OK. But the dam, uh, her progeny, only one of them has ever really shown any form whatsoever on testing ground. And that horse was a real stayer. I think even a hurdler. Um, so I don't know whether to take that literally. I don't know. I think both of these two horses, albeit they're coming out of the best prep for the Goodwood Cup, they've got questions to answer regarding the ground. And I don't want to be taking a short price about either of them. If I had to plump for one out of the two, it would be Courage One of Me just because he has that ceiling where he can go higher and higher with his performances. We kind of know where Coltrane is now. But I'm going to take a shot at one of uh, a price, and that's Giovelotto. He has to improve about five pounds on official ratings to actually you know, get close to Courage Monami and Coltrane on their Ascot Gold Cup form. However, he's an out-and-out stayer. He's still improving. He's got a big stride and he's got previous form on soft ground when he finished second to Nathaniel Green, who's a good horse. Uh, would have gone very close to Northumberland Plate this year um, if he was closer towards the pace. He was miles out the back. I think that he is going to be the most suited out of the protagonists in this race by the likely conditions. And at around 10, 11 to 1, I'll happily take him each way. Look, I know he's not probably the star of the show in the race, but there are far worse bets in there. Yeah, certainly. My only one question, does Eldar Eldorov sort of dampen the form just slightly in the Gold Cup himself? Potentially, but again, I don't really think we saw the real Eldar Eldorov that day. And actually, I don't want to be using Eldar Eldorov as like a form bearer because the horse had such a high trajectory early in his career and then it's kind of faded off. It's hard to really expect know what to expect from him. So whether his performance at Ascot was really below par, whether he just didn't show up on the day because plenty of Roger Barron didn't perform very well at that meeting. Um, it's hard to really have a strong opinion on that. I'm just going to hope that Elder Elderob will bounce back and run well in this race as well, but Giovelotta will run even better on the ground. Yeah, it's been a long-term plan, hasn't it, from the Marco Botti team to to, to wait, wait with him. Um, he hasn't been seen since May um, and... They've they've got the horse probably is un, underrated a little bit looking at the prices considering he did beat a, a Saint Ledger winner in at York in that group too. Um, Ross, another horse that likes York who we've seen um, to really good effect there is Quickthorn. I was quite surprised that to see him ne- necessarily in this race. I thought that they would have tried to have gone abroad to de- definitely get the ground conditions because you're never sure that you're going to get this softish going I mean it's not definitely it's not it's never what you're expecting so I think the Huey Morrison team will be very pleased that the rain has come um, because it's a horse who's always thrived with these weather conditions why is he overlooked I think because he sort of had that blistering run last year and then slightly dropped off and he's he's just not a fashionable fashionable horse he's so but I thought he took a huge step back in the right direction last time at York in that listed contest over over a mile and six he he's adapted on the ground you know I was sort of working this at the weekend and he was on my list already because if it stayed good to soft he has form on good to soft but he's one on heavy um I agree with TC I think Coltrane and Courage Monomia have to prove they'll go on the on the on the ground um 
and they're so closely matched for all that a furlong and a half out Courage Monami looked like a really ready winner uh, at Ascot. He was only just getting the job done at the line in, in, in the closer stages. And I, I slightly take the view that maybe Coltrane is better at two miles and Courage Monami bettered him in the closing stages. There's a little pull at the weights of a pound, I think. Um, so against with those two, I'd be against TC. I'd marginally favour Coltrane just back at that trip. But as I mentioned before, if I've got two at the head of the market that I, I can't split, I don't want to touch them. And I'd, I'd, I'd far rather try and find one to run into third and maybe better than that. And, and Quickborn is the one. I think there's not a huge amount of pace on here. And we know that Tom Marcond is prepared to be brave on him and, and do sort of things from outside the box. And I just wonder whether it, it could just be run to suit him. Um, and I think that is important to Quickborn. I think if things don't go his own way, I think Lee Morrison has said he's a, you know, he's a bit of a bit of a quirky character um just a big price around about 16 to 1 i thought he was was the standout given that we know we're going to get soft ground now there's not a huge amount of pace in the race uh, tom Marcon knows him really well and rides him really well so against two that i couldn't figure out he was one i was a bit more confident on uh, giving his giving his running and he's just going to then be good enough and, and the other two have perhaps got to slightly underperform yeah, I I totally agree with you. I like his price, what, 14, 16 to 1 uh, for a horse that go back this time last year at York, thrash Coltrane, put 14 lengths between him and Coltrane. That day, I remember um, you know, Stradivarius was last minute pulled out. He couldn't run. And I remember Huey Morrison being, even though he had won, he was really, really adamant that it would have been even better if Stradivarius had been in the race because he would have been certain that he would have beaten him as well. He was just magical. Um Tom Marquand inspired ride from the front, which he can be very, very good at. And I thought Jason Hart gave him a real peach last time as well. You've just got to go go for it on it. You've got to throw the kitchen sink at, from the front. And he does does respond. And Goodwood, I think we know, is a, is a track that you can do that, can't you? You can go out and make all and, and, and give it your all. And I do think that extra four furlongs that the Gold Cup has, as you mentioned, is it's it's a completely different race, isn't it? You know, this one over two miles. And, um, you know, you've got, horses that just got to be able to show off show off a relentless galloping nature but also just have that little that little bit extra at the finish um and i yeah i think quick thorn it shouldn't shouldn't be overlooked and with ross um for for this this goodwood cup it's uh it's strange when you don't have the likes of kiprios you don't have stradivarius anymore you don't have trushan it did really throw up a, a wonderful finish last year but we've got these like new pretenders on the block now and courage monami um even though i don't think any of us are selecting him i think we all respect what he has done in such a short amount of time and he could just be very 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 good indeed but i think we're all happy just to give give it a second look um just here as we still don't really know um, what he will be like facing um much softer going conditions um so um that is giovaletto for tom and myself and ross are on uh, um uh, uh, myself and Ross are on Quickthorn for this. So uh, looking forward to that to begin the week. Okay, let's go into the Sussex Stakes, which is on Wednesday. Normally the feature of the week and uh, we've seen some brilliant jewels um, and it's it always throws up a, a fascinating lineup of runners. But sadly this year we don't have Nostrum. Uh, so Michael Stout team have decided to bypass this and uh, other options, which there are unfortunately just too many options for milers really. Um, but Paddington comes into this off the back of an exceptional uh, success in the Eclipse last time over 10 furlongs. But Aidan O'Brien says he has more speed than the likes of Giants Causeway. He went down this route, coming back in trip, coming back to a mile. And he's just 
turning into essentially, you'd have to say now after August Rodin's performance on Saturday, the best three-year-old that they have. Um, he looks to be pretty bulletproof. He's just been running so often. He's not stopped since March. He's uh, he's a horse that we don't really know how good he really is. And that's what makes it very exciting. Just sadly, um, we don't have a horse like Nostrum who looks to be potentially very special as well in the lineup. We do have Inspiral who was just having a second run after um, a bit of a break and she needs to jump out the stools better, essentially. She was a little bit, just a little bit slow away um, in the Queen Anne last time. And then everything else, well, just has a good bit to find. Eldari, Fatta Cheval coming over from France, uh, Chindit, Charon make up the field. So very difficult, I think, Ross, to find any chinks in Paddington's armour, do you think? Yeah, I, I do think, but I needed to remind myself that I think that, as you know, as I've mentioned before, he really impressed me at Ascot. Uh, and I mentioned after, I thought he'd be better stepping up to 10 furlongs and then went against him in the clips, which was just the stupidest thing I've done this season, I think, on the podcast. Um, <laughs> um, Bosch a kill. <laughs> yes. When I, yes. When I see these short race favourites and I see he's had five runs and he's dropping back from 10 furlongs to a mile, everything in me wants to go and try and find something to get him beat. And I logged onto my notes and I very helpfully put at the top of my notes, don't be stupid. Um, <laughs> he wins it. He has got the sort of profile that would give me a nosebleed in terms of, of backing him at a short price, because at some point those runs are going to catch up with him. And the, the sort of line is to say, yeah, but Aiden O'Brien will will know. And the truth is, actually, you don't know at home whether it's catching up with them. Um, and they got a little bit there wrong this year. It shows they're, they're human for all they're brilliant as an operation. Um, so I, I would just be tentative about delving down into my very long, deep pockets to, to back in myself. But in terms of selection, I think it's very hard to genuinely put anything up against him. He's rated £5 superior to Inspiral. Uh, he gets £4 from her, uh, £9. He, he, you know, he's not got to run to his best to win this, I don't I don't think. And she is starting to become a bit of a problem out of the stores. It's, that's not the first time she's done it. Um, it's a quicker track for him. But he just wins this, I think. Yeah, I think a really fair point about how much he's been running. And it's, it is a risk, is a gamble. If you look at Giants Causeway's um, running patterns back in 2000, that's exactly what they did. But you've got to have a real iron constitution to be able to do that. Paddington's look to be like that. I just, my only slight thought, and I wonder what you think about this as well, Ross, is that that could have been a tough race in the Eclipse. Clearly took out a lot of Emily Upjohn because she just wasn't really what we could see in terms of her best on Saturday. They had to go into a real battle and there's only been 25 days. Though, if anything, that would have been his toughest assignment, even albeit this run on this race on Wednesday, he doesn't necessarily have to be at his best, you'd think. Yeah, I think he doesn't have to be at his best and he strikes me as just being, I mean, other than Ascot, Everything has looked very sort of workmanlike for all that he's, you know, running to, to good numbers. Um, so I'm always slightly more um, comfortable with that in that I don't think he takes more out of himself than he needs to. Um, and as I said uh, for the weekend, I, I think Emily Upton was never going past. So I don't think Ryan Moore had to be absolutely all out on him, if I'm honest. I think, you know, he came back in and said he always felt like he had more there if he needed it. So he's the man sat on top. He's, he's ridden a few more group one winners than me. Um, so I'm prepared to go with that. TC, the one thing I was thinking about tactically wise, I mean, he looks 
pretty straightforward, doesn't he, Paddington? But there's no pace setter. Is there much other pace? Where where would you want to be being Ryan Moore on, on Paddington and Sussex? You know, I, I think he's probably good enough to win from anywhere, though I imagine he'll be sitting second or third in the early stages. Maybe Chindit goes forward. We've seen him lead races in the past. Uh, he looks the only real speed in the race. Aldari will want to be out of the back. In Spiral shouldn't be leading this race. I don't think Ryan Moore will take the ball by the horns and go straight to the front, but I think he'll want to be as close as possible. As we've already touched on, though, this isn't the best punting race, is it? You know, we've got a four to nine shot. That implies that uh, Paddington's got 69 0.5-ish percent of chance of winning. I think that's accurate. You know, if you look at the form, he's improving. He's got weight uh, allowances and he's got the highest official rating. Aidan O'Brien's horses have been a bit hit and miss in the last couple of weeks. August Rodan being one, but there have been a couple of others as well. That probably wouldn't put me off Paddington, but at the same time, I don't want to be putting my hard-earned on him. If I was to have a bet in the race, maybe I'd look in the without market or the place, two-place market. Um, and Inspiral hasn't got the best form with rain soft and ground. So maybe I'd oppose her Go for Aldari, who's got good form on soft and heavy. Um, he hasn't got the class to beat Paddington, but he might run well into second. It's just not a race I'm super excited about, Jess. Okay, not a punting race, but having said that, can't really see Paddington getting beat. So not so much a banker of a week, but wouldn't be a surprise if he was to win it, win it so leave it alone kind of betting race. Because there's a lot of good betting races. Um, I think the Nassau is one as well. I think it's um, shaping up to be the race of the week um, as we've got the best of the fillies. It's a pretty strong division now and it's it's great to have older fillies and mares in, in this field um, taking on their youngers. A little bit like what we saw at, at the King George on the weekend. You know, the best of the best of the three-year-olds the best of the elder generation and um the french seemingly have them the french in general seemingly have a very very strong bunch of three-year-olds um so it's great that they've come over to they're coming over to goodwood to support the national stakes with blue rose um san who was a winner of a, essentially equivalent of the french uh 1000 guineas and the and the french oaks the prix de diane the prix de diane being the race that nashma won uh last year and these two um champions really in their own rights are going to face each other off in the national stakes and it's uh it's it, very interesting blue rosen we've seen her we see what she's capable of she's clearly a filly that's improving more so than anyone had expected and speaking to some french uh, reporters i over the, the last couple of days i think they've been surprised by what she's turned into this year and so looking forward to having her over but nashua ross looked to be back to her best at newmarket last time but that was over a mile back to 10 furlongs again even though she won this race last year what did last time tell you about what we've got with Nashua this year? Uh, told me that I haven't got a clue about Nashua, actually. Um, it, told <laughs> me that, it also told me that the Gosden Yard were slightly fishing. Um, you know, they, they hadn't wanted to come back to a mile, and they sort of put that drop back to a mile as the reason she performed again. So the question has to be, well, why are you going back up to, to 10 furlongs, I suppose? Um, Blue Rose Sen has just been a revolution this year, hasn't she, really? Um, really improved um and and has shown how these churchill uh, stock I improve with age and they have more stamina than their pedigree would or his pedigree would perhaps suggest she's going to love the soft soft ground she's a, a short price uh, she's on her travels for the first time um I, I can absolutely see the appeal of her and i would have her comfortably ahead of, of, of nashua I, I don't think you can just take that one run for nashua that she's she's back and, and going because it came back over the mile um but i i do just like running lion at, at a price she's she's got to get back to it but when you actually fish through the through the form 
there's there's a legitimate excuse i think obviously she didn't go into the well she went into the stores and then got upset in the stores uh, for the oaks then she went over to shanti and ran no sort of race at all um i saw an interview where they they feel that she, she perhaps overheated in the in the monty roberts rug which she had to wear which is a, a thick padded rug that stops them feeling the impact of the, the stores on their sides, which is what they think she reacted to in the Oaks. They put that on, they say it was a warm day, and, and, and their conviction is that she overheated and that was enough to see a run below par. That'll do for me. Um, she was really impressive in the Pretty Polly. Um, she'll like this, this cut in the ground. This is her trip. She's, she's 10 to one, and that's a much more comfortable price um, for a filly that's clearly got plenty of ability. Um, to, to get back on get back on track, so so she'd be my selection against the the the, the worthy favourite. Yeah, and we know that they can bring horses back, and uh, and and given her a good bit of time, it was oh, it was too bad to be true, wasn't it? It's just been a bit of a horror story. One one race after the next, with the connections of Running Lion after what's happened in both here and 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 over in France. I think you're a brave man to to try and see if that's all going to work out. She's just got to do it. She's got to, I've got to see her first, actually just, you know, being, behaving fine, behaving in the preliminaries before I can get too, um, too, too excited by her, especially with Philly, who was seemingly quite a laid back on nature. Um, it's just, you'd hope that these, these races have mentally taken a bit of a toll. Um, but running lion um, against the, the favourites, which I think is what has been, sort of dubbed a real matchup, hasn't it, Tom? And I think it should do, um, because of having um two pre de Dian winners in in the field. I asked Ross what he thought about Nashua's victory last time, what what it what it kind of taught us. Um do you believe that the school of thought that she's just needed her first two runs and that trip wise it's not really anything that we should worry too much, but Nashua's just sort of come into her own now at this later stage of the season? Uh, because I'm going to be with Nashua in this race. Uh, you know what? Before um, she won last time out over the mile at Newmarket, I thought she had gone completely off the boil. I didn't like her at all for that race that she won, and I was completely wrong. She travelled lovely. She quickened excitingly well and bolted up. Like There was no fluke about that success. I don't really think it had much to do with the trip. I just think she's suddenly now come back to herself. And, you know, when Nashua's at her very best, she is very hard to beat. She won this race last year, head and chest. Took her a little bit of time to get on top, but once she did, she was powering away to the line. We know that she's got good form on testing ground, and she's second favourite in this race. I think she deserves to be favourite. Look, I'm not um, going to pro- uh, profess that I know the, the French form um, through and through because, you know, French racing isn't my uh, forte, but Blue Rose Sen's obviously got a good chance, but she is very short against a talented horse in Nashua. I think Nashua's the bet. I wouldn't be surprised if Blue Rose Sen wins, don't get me wrong, um, but on the back of that impressive new market display, now coming to Goodwood, a track that we know that Nashua handles. Blue Rose Centre has never run at Goodwood, and it's a unique kind of track, isn't it, as well? Um, you need to be able to handle it to, to produce your best, and I think Nashua can do that and hopefully uh, justify her shortish price, but also she should be favourite in this race, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you, just tentatively. I do think the £8 put at the weights is a quite a substantial amount um but i think blue rose sen will need it i've just been re-watching it she looks like quite a small filly um and we know how big and imposing nashua is and i think you're right about the track you can get caught really quite tight you don't want to be sort of in a situation when you're being bumped around and for as much as or Aurea, or alian lamater is a great jockey you know 
knowing Goodwood and being aware of how trapped in you can get. We've seen some horror stories, haven't we, there? Um, I think that Holly Door just has that quite that slight advantage about knowing how to ride the track, um, which which will help. And she is coming into this in a much better vein of form than she was beforehand. Um, so, yeah, I'm just about with you, Tom, against Blue Rose Sun, um, a, a, a filly that's clearly improving, but just needs to do it now. It, it, against her, her home advantage. So I think she's a little bit too short. I'd imagine Nashua might just come in a little bit as well. She's around about seven to four the, as the we thing, speak. Jess, the other thing is that Blue Rose Sen literally got the dream trip last time. Mm. The pacemaker went out in front. Mm -hmm. There was a big gap towards the inside. She saved yeah. all the ground. There was no interference whatsoever and she just shot clear. You know, mm. she might have been flattered by the ease of that success, but people aren't, and well, traders especially, aren't really factoring that in. Look, this is not to say she can't win, but she's not going to get that kind of trip throughout the race that she got mm. last time out. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think, and it would be foolish to think that that it can go as well as 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 it did at Chantilly. I think Chantilly and Longchamp are wonderful tracks for that. They're such big, big, massive straights. There's so much galloping you can do, whereas Goodwood is tight and it's tricky. Um, so. That, that that's just that's just the one angle that I, I'm I'm looking at as well. So I'm with you, Tom. Um, Ross is going for for running line in the Nas in the Nassau Stakes. Um, a good a good lineup, really good lineup. We needed it um, after a bit of a disappointing Sussex Stakes. But there's eight races on Tuesday. There's I think seven races on all the other days. Um, there's I always enjoy Goodwood because I like seeing the two-year-olds at this time of the year I think is a better time for two-year-olds than Royal Ascot um, I'm sure there are plenty of horses we've seen at Royal Ascot that are coming into this race are coming into the week um, with plenty um, plenty to prove or plenty to back up as well um, so Naps are next best from what we are sitting here on a Monday um, Tom you've had a good weekend so I'll go for you first what, what are you looking forward to seeing at Goodwood? Well, you just touched on two-year-olds there. This horse doesn't feature in my Napa Next Best, but don't write off Barnwell Boy if he runs uh, on Wednesday. I think I can't remember what the time is, but I think he's in the Molecombe. Um, he ran okay at Royal Ascot in the Winter Castle when he had no cover, had to make his move early in the race. And it'll be a decent price for Charlie Johnson, who we all know uh, does exceptionally well. Well, the Johnsons in general have done exceptionally well at this meeting. So don't write him off. But we'll get to the Napa Next Best, both of whom uh, run towards the back end of the week. We don't have full declarations for either race yet, so hopefully they run, but that's just a little disclaimer. Uh, the nap is going to be a Gaggio in the extended two-mile four-fell on Handicap. It kicks off Friday's card at 1.50. The ground will be very cut up uh, and deep at that point if we're going by the weather forecast, and he will be best suited by it. Gaggio fits the bill for this race lovely. He's got great stamina. He's a dual-purpose horse uh, and actually has form figures at Goodwood of 111 which becomes 111 when you filter it to just soft ground races. He's a very, uh, he's basically a perfect horse, perfect profile for this event on Friday. He finished two and three quarter lengths behind Courage One of Me, who subsequently went on to win the Ascot Gold Cup, and we talked about in this podcast on his penultimate outing. That effort alone <laughs> should put him almost favourite in this race. Last time out, he didn't run it at his best, but a mark of 87 back on soft ground surely gives Agadjo a great chance, and he's 12 to 1. I think that's a phenomenal price for he runs on Friday. And my next best is going to be the Michael Stout-trained Perfuse. Uh, she runs in the opener at 150 on Thursday. Um, she's the daughter of Lope de Vega. She won on heavy ground on her second start, so testing conditions aren't a problem. Last time out, she was right up with the pace at Royal Ascot in the King George V stakes. Every other horse that was on the speed that day just went backwards. She ran very well to finish fifth in a race dominated by closers. And hopefully, 
hopefully she can make uh, amends a good one this week. Thanks, so Tom. Um, plenty to select from. And uh, Gaggio Bacchiana is his favourite good. I remember back him last year. He's a, a great, great horse and, and brilliant to watch. So I look forward to seeing him. Um, Ross, we were just touching there that two-year-olds, I think it's a great time of year to see two-year-olds because they, they, you know, they, they'll it's always uh, an interesting season for them because they're going to be going through the different growth spurts at different times. But I think it's just a better time of year than, than Royal Ascot. And some of them are sort of catching up with each other. But also we've seen some really good first time out performances. So a lot of good two-year races from the group races to the nurseries and the maidens as well. So I'm sure you're looking forward to seeing a couple of them. Yeah, two-year-olds actually. I, I do like Jess and they feature in both the nap and the next best. The nap is uh, Tuesday, the 325, the vintage stakes, and it's the Richard Farhi train Golden Mind, who caught the eye in the, in the Chesham for me. Um, Oshinor was unfortunate, a gap closed on him, and he had to wait for a deliveries run. Didn't get to deliveries run when everyone else did. Golden Mind was really fast that day. Uh, over Ascot, seven furlong trip in the Chesham. I think he was an unlucky loser, and I think he can write that wrong here. The Chesham form is working out all right. Odyssey, who finished behind Golden Mind in fourth, Ran a really good race in, in the superlative uh, stakes last time at Newmarket. Um, that was an eye-catching run. It gives a bit of substance to the form of the Chesham. So I think Golden Mind is really interesting tomorrow in the vintage stakes. And then the next best comes on Wednesday in the Mollicum. And now this is, horse is a bit mad. Uh, Gal did before his first run, so that tells you everything you need to know. But it's the Richard Hannon train Bahia. Um, when he's got on the track, he's done really well. He has twice refused to go in the stalls. Had problems with that. He's won twice over two furlongs. He looks a very, very rapid horse. Drops back to five furlongs. I think he's got bags of speed. Uh, and I think he can shake up the market principles, provided he goes in the stores. That is an issue, but he's a talented horse. I'm prepared to take the chance. So the next best is Bahir in the Mollicum. And then just one more that I'd, I'd like to mention, if he does run in the Richmond, I think is perhaps unlikely given he's a, he's a maiden. But our Wassel uh, shaped really well at Newbury on his debut. Um, the, 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 the third place horse in uh, the second place horse in that uh, has come out and since been third in the super sprint uh, payment in kind and she wasn't well favoured by the weights on, on that occasion in the super sprint I think he was the eye catcher of the race at Newbury if James Ferguson were to roll the dice and run him in this uh, he'd be interesting at around about 25 to 1 I don't expect him to be an awful lot shorter on the day to be honest but he does hold an entry in a more suitable target at Newcastle on Thursday as well so if he does line up Al Wassel is one perhaps just to keep an eye on Okay, so three two-year-olds for you um, from for Ross. Uh, we've got uh, Golden Mind, Bahir and Alwazel. And uh, interestingly, um, one of these races, the Malcolm, I think we all like something, with Tom also uh, mentioning Barnwell Boy. But I'm my nap is going to be Big Ebbs. Uh, this is the Windsor Castle winner. Um, he won the Windsor Castle at 20 to 1. I think he took all of us by surprise. Uh, Mick Appleby with a two-year-old at Royal Ascot. Like, that doesn't normally happen I don't think it's ever happened um, but they've got themselves onto a, a good one here the Sun of Blue Point the only thing is that it will be softer ground than he's experienced before but um, a Blue Point won uh, this weekend at Asker um, on what was good ground they were calling it in the end pretty dead but I thought what he did was super impressive I don't think there was any fluke about it at all I had the opportunity to speak to Jason Hart afterwards he said he gave him a really good feel like a very decent horse it's a cracking race really Killian um, looked pretty pretty smart he bypassed Royal Ascot for Carl Burke who's got some very very smart juveniles indeed but I think Big Evs could be just overlooked because potentially his his connections potentially you know he's got a 
prove that that was not just a, a, a just a, a just one good run that he's got because he was a maiden coming into it. But I think Big Evs could be a, a little bit of a freak. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him at Goodwood um, on in the Molcom Stakes. And then my next best comes in the 150 at Goodwood on Wednesday. The the handicap over one more full furlong. It's always a, a good race and normally a good indicator for you know big other future. Uh, three-year-old races, these middle distance sorts, um, you know, they could probably end up in Australia before the end of the year. Um, but this is, um, has always been a good race. I like Fox Journey. Oshin Murphy's already booked in. I said earlier on, I think he's got a bit of a statement of intent this week to really get, um, a good, good week after just one Royal Ascot winner. Um, he's already down on Sir Michael Stout's Fox Journey, a son of Roaring Lion. He's up five pounds from his victory at Newbury last time where he led all the way and he's just got that Roaring Lion. Um, just tenacity that we see in all their all his progeny but this is out of a Galileo mare follow a star gives him that punch of more a little bit more stamina Um, he's just just possibly disappointed the time before last but he was um, he was really good at Newbury he's got to improve again but I think that he's up for it and potentially not the strongest renewal of the race um, but looking forward to seeing Fox Journey for this Michael Stout team um, and as I said Oshin Murphy on board as well so um, that is Naps Next Best um, two-year-olds I think that's the name of it and the three-year-olds versus the slightly older horses and the Sussex Stakes and the Nassau and then obviously we've got this Goodwood Cup to look forward to as well so Goodwood let's hope everyone enjoys it I'm sure Ross will have one eye as well on Galway we've got a good meeting over there in Ireland um, and just fabulous racing throughout the course of the week so I hope everyone enjoys that as well don't forget all new SBK users get £30 in free bets when they sign up and bet £10 for the first time I hope you enjoy it I hope we find you a couple of winners as well remember to subscribe to whichever podcast channel you listen to and we'll see you very soon